0: Well, it's good to be back here. I was telling Pastor Frank, like, the stage just looks like it's different. Isn't it? I like it, when you know, all of the Christmas, and, you know, you come in, you look at everything's nice and and neat, and now all of a sudden, back to reality, we're in the new year, and it's it's like fresh, it's like, you know, Sean was saying, you know, new year. Um, Let's pray before we get into the Word. Father God, uh, we do give you thanks and praise for today. Father, we know that you love us. And Father, each of us here knows family members that that need help um, mentally or physically. We lift them up to you, O oh Father God. But we also give you praises for the healings and the blessings that you have given each of us. So, Holy Spirit, be with us this morning. Use me today, Holy Spirit. I'm a humbled servant in mere flesh an everyday person like everybody else. So the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. and perfect. So the title of my message this morning is called Our True Spiritual Worship. And we're going to be taking a look at that in verses 12, 1 through 2. Sometimes when we think of the terms of spiritual worship, or just worship in general, we come to mind, what, Sunday mornings, right? We sing songs. But these verses are so much more Deeper as it relates to us individually, as individual believers, and not so much corporately. Because when we look at the text for this morning, if we understand our true spiritual worship to God as individuals, when we come together corporately, the church, the church will give praises to God naturally. Because sometimes we met, we've been there before, we come to church. And we'll be talking about masquerading here in a little bit. But sometimes we can act, right? We can act out. We can raise our hands. But I come to find out in, in, in corporate worship that, you know what? If I'm not in the mood if you, I pray. I pray. But we all know that worship is much more than meeting here on Sundays. And we talk about spiritual worship, especially to a living God, we gotta remember what God said in the first commandment Thou shalt have no other gods before me. True worship includes many things like the obvious ones of prayer, praises, thanksgiving, and singing. True worship includes serving God by serving others in His name, especially when we serve other believers who are in need. Sacrificial worship includes doing good and sharing of what God has given us. Individually and as a church. But above all else, our supreme act of worship, true worship, is to offer ourselves wholly and continually to the Lord as living sacrifices. From the day of your salvation to when you die and go to heaven, we are to offer ourselves wholly and continually without any strings attached to God and expecting something in return. In these two verses, we're going to discover this morning four elements of presenting ourselves to God as living, holy, and acceptable sacrifice. They are, one, offering God our souls, two, offering God our bodies, three, offering God our minds, and four, offering God our wills. And we will notice as we walk through these two verses that they're going to be overlapping with each other. But there's something that that I want you and I to look at is when we look at the text. How do I see myself worshiping God seven days a week? Am I sacrificing enough? That's hard to think about. I've been thinking about that actually since the beginning of December. Uh, I don't know why I was thinking about that. I guess part of me is when we get into Christmas season, a lot of times we see that the commercialization of Christmas takes that away at times from us. As I was reflecting before the family gatherings, like, you know what, what is my worship to God? The first element of true worship is offering God our souls. Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God. When Paul uses the word therefore, it's, it's a significant transitional point in his presentation of gospel truths from the book of Romans. In Romans 5.1 and following, it's summed up justification by faith. That is freedom from the penalty of sin. In Romans 8, 1 and following, it summed up believers' relationship to sin, which is called sanctification, that is, the freedom of the power of sin. And Romans 12, 1, which we'll be looking at in following, relates to the practical outworking of justification and sanctification in believers' daily lives. Now, you may think here and this phrase, I urge you, this phrase right here is both tender and tough as it relates to this whole verse in verse 1. It is called to appropriate living. In our society, people do not want others to tell us how to live, right? We see that. We cannot talk about marriage. We cannot talk about abortion because the world wants us to have a different view on these things are contrary to the word of God. But the phrase is both tender and tough and I'm thinking about Jesus Christ. He has a shepherd's heart. He puts us back in line to remind us of what he did for us and that what we are to do based on the word of God. And obviously when we see the word brother, it's simply, it's those who belongs to God's family. What is God's family? Just a quick reminder. God's family is those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And not only was Paul taking, talking to the people here in this letter to the Romans, but and for us today. Now this important next phrase is very important for us to remind ourselves and get a hold of by the mercies of God. How many people in here like to have bestowed mercy put upon you for something, Right? Sometimes we do things wrong, they're against the law. What what happens? You might go to jail if it's bad enough, right? Well, we want some mercy. Kids understand this wholly, right? When mom and dad tell them not to do it, and they do it, but they still want mercy, right? You can tell by the look on their face. Give me mercy, dad. Why? By the mercy of God describes the compassionate nature of God. There is an obvious emphasis in Romans on the mercy of God in dealing with fallen humanity. Because God's grace and mercy are offered freely, believers must live godly lives out of gratitude and not merit. That's why I always like to say strive for righteousness, strive for holiness, because that's our desire The two most precious mercies of God are his love and his free gift of grace. In Christ, we are the beloved of God, and like the Apostle Paul, we all have received grace through Jesus Christ. The mercies of God are reflected in his power of salvation and his great kindness towards those he saves His mercies in Christ bring us to forgiveness and propitiation of our sins and also freedom from them. We have received reconciliation with God, justification before God, conforming to his son Jesus Christ, glorification in his very likeness, eternal life in his very presence, and the resurrection rebides to serve him in his everlasting kingdom. We have received the mercies of divine worship and the Holy Spirit who indwells in the believers, who intercedes for us, and through whom the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Remember that. When we go through struggles in life, we have the working of the Holy Spirit. God uses the vessel of the Holy Spirit to give us Peace when we need it. But also at the same times, give us a quick, swift kick to get us back in line. In Christ, we have received the mercies of faith, peace, hope. God's mercies include his shared righteousness and even his shared glory and honor. The mercies of God include his sovereign mercy. God is sovereign. His mercy is true because of God's mercies that he has given us should drive us to complete dedication to God our true worship to God I've been overseas many times through the Navy or mission trips and a lot of times here in the United States we have it made even though if you look at the political structure we think we're burning on fire every single day but you know what we have it better than anywhere else in the world. I've been to Thailand. I've been to the Philippines. You see kids walking around naked. Still to this day, there's people that are living in poverty. And they see a different mercy than what we as believers in God and in Jesus Christ see. The most powerful people I have seen in the mission trip that we took to Northern Scotland and the Highlands of Scotland was a devoted dedication, sacrificial life to God. There was a gentleman there that was in his 90s. You could tell his selfless love to God. And I still remember him to this day. When I get upset that I'm not doing enough or, or whatever the situation is, he dedicated himself to God. second element of true worship is offering God our bodies. Now, when we see offering, we think of the New Testament, right? The sacrificial system. You'll see that in some of these other things that we'll be talking about, but Romans 12, the second part of of one, to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In the Greek Old Testament, when we see the word present, was often used as a technical term for a priest place an offering on the altar. It carried the idea of surrendering or yielding up. For those who believe in Christ, we are a holy priesthood. Don't forget that. As believers, we are exhorted to perform what is essentially a priestly act of worship. This carries the weight of a command. We are commanded to present to God our bodies. Because our souls belong to God through salvation. He already has the inner man, but he wants more than the inner man. He wants the outer man. God wants all of our being. I'm not saying go out and jump off a cliff and sacrifice your body like that. No. Our bodies are more than physical shells that house our soul. Our bodies hold our old, unredeemed humanness. Humanness is part of our bodies. We understand that because as we get older in age, our body is deteriorating, is it not? We feel it. Some feel it every single day. Our flesh. Our flesh incorporates sin. In other words, to put it simple, our flesh still sins. Because our bodies are yet unredeemed, that they must be yielded continually to the Lord. That's why he also says in Scripture that we are to confess to God our sins and to one another at times. Romans 6.12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. We are, by the help of the Holy Spirit, are to put to death that sin reigns in our life. We are to kill ongoing sin. We are to kill it, kill it, kill it. What's the heart what's happening to all of us right now at times that we have sin that's indwelling that we don't get rid of because we don't kill it? We need to kill it. Especially in the technology that we have today, it's so easy to get to get washed in, to get carried along. In sin, it's not it's not pleasing to God. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God is that the sacrifices of animals are no longer acceptable to God, are no longer no needed. Because the Lamp of God, Jesus Christ, was sacrificed in that their place. The Bible makes it perfectly clear that the wages of sin is death, as seen in Romans 6:23. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and my, for you and me. He went to the cross. He went to the cross. Think about that. We're not that far away from Easter celebration. We're not that far away. Again, we had to offer up ourselves, all that we are and have as living sacrifices. The blessings that God gives us, we are to thank him for that. The only acceptable worship under the new covenant is offering up ourselves to God. From the very moment that we were saved, the only acceptable worship is God's faithful and obedient heart. The living sacrifice we are to offer to the Lord who died for us is the willingness to surrender to him all our hopes, all our plans, and everything that is precious to us. We are to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Our sacrifice should be holy, that is, set apart for a special purpose. We are set apart from the world to be holy. When people see us, they should see us that we are different. And that's why it's so much fun to go to have fellowship with other churches and even other denominations, not, not only in the United States, but around the world. Especially in the world, you see somebody, you know instantly that they are saved. You see that in their face. There's just something about that. Spiritual service of worship is to present God with all that we are and all that we have. And some of you have probably never seen an NHL hockey game or anything like that. Maybe you have. But you know how fast those skaters are. And if some of you have seen the NHL on TV, you know how hard it is when them guys sacrifice themselves at a puck that's going over 100 miles an hour and it hits them? They're sacrificing themselves so they don't score. Are you getting a sense of a theme that we are to give all to God? That we are to give all to God. The only spiritual service to God that honor and pleases God is in sincere, sincere, loving, thoughtful, and heartfelt devotion and praises of his children. The only thing I can think that comes close to that on the earth is seeing a brand new mother with her brand new baby. The mother's face is totally devoted to that baby. It's perfect love, it seems, to that baby the heartfelt devotion that mother has for that child. Third element of true worship is our minds. Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Conform refers to an outward expression that does not reflect what is within. It's called masquerading, or putting an act, specifically by following a prescribed pattern or scheme. We are to live in the world, but not of the world, to the world's standards. Believers, we are not to be swayed to the world's standards. We're not to act like we are part of the world's standards. Inside of us, we are believers and know the standards of God that has for us in this word, in his true word. But sometimes we do act like the world. The word world refers to the present sinful age. And I like this phrase from John MacArthur. It also represents the sum of the demonic human philosophy of life, which is then contrary to God's standards. Think about that. Look at some places in the world that colleges. They used to be faithful colleges to God. But they conform to the world. They have taken human philosophy and, re- and taken it away from what God tells us. The world is an instrument of Satan with his ungodly influences. You know what? Satan has created an unrighteous America right now. But you know what? Thank God that we have believers in America. There is unbelievers that mask themselves as believers It is also not uncommon for Christians to wear the world's masks. We see that. We see that with our kids sometimes. We've even seen it with newborn people who have faith in Jesus Christ. Think about that. Are you wearing a mask? Do we come on Sunday and do all the things that we are supposed to do to worship God, but then Monday morning we're completely different? Continue on, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Rather than being conformed to the world, Paul is telling us and commanding us to be transformed. To be transformed is to allow ourselves to be changed outwardly into to conformally to our redeemed inner nature. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we awe with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror of the glory of the Lord and being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And Ephesians 5.18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit achieves this transformation by renewing of the mind, renewing our minds. You see, what happens when we come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit instantly starts working on our mind, you see, sometimes some people takes a little bit longer to understand God fully than others when they come to salvation. That's why it's so important that we come along people that have come to a saving faith. The outward transformation is affected by inner change of the mind and the spirit's meaning of transform, transform our minds is by the word, the word of God. The transformer of a new mind is a mind saturated and controlled by the word of God. We need the word of God daily. We need it on our minds. We need it in our hearts. We need to be saturated with that. Fourth element of true worship, offering God our wills. Romans 12, 2, the second part, that you may prove that the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That you may prove is a purpose result of phrase. Meaning, when a believer's mind is transformed, his thinking ability, moral reasoning, and spiritual understanding are be able to properly process everything and to accept only what conforms to what the will of God is. Last night, Diana were watching uh, little mini series about cults about somebody get into a cult they were transvined into that philosophy of the cult leader but what happens is that their minds got to be transformed back when they get out of that so we come to saving faith it's a continued work of transforming our minds and what is it that what is good and acceptable to God Acceptable from the Old Testament sacrificial languages to describe the kind of holy living that God approves, a living sacrifice. That is morally, spiritually, spotless, and without blemish. We know we still sin. But sometimes as being in the military, being in the workforce, you want to please your boss a lot, right? You want to do things. You do all kinds of things to get that promotion. Take that energy And be to God. We need to be perfect as much as we can be to God. Because what God has done in our lives, our transformed mind produces a transformed will with the Holy Spirit's help to lay aside our own plans and to accept God's at no matter the cost. Many of us here have been believers for many years and we know what it takes. Sometimes we stumble. But at no matter the cost, that we are to give God our all. We are to yield our bodies to God. Again, this is done by being in the Word of God, coming together on Sunday, and being in life groups. Because we cannot do it by ourselves. We cannot do it by ourselves. So in conclusion, we've got to remember that we are to give God a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice. We've got to remind ourselves about what we, have, what we gave up to God, that because the mercies of God that we have salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, and we will be with him forever. We are to offer our God as living sacrifices, our bodies to him, we have to transform our minds. That's acceptable to God. And a lot of times, when we think of wills, we hear that phrase: "He has a strong will." Right? It could be a stubborn will, right? Or you know, a good, better will, right? But it's different here. We have to freely give up to God. And the last question, even for me, what do you and I need to give up our old to give up for? True, spiritual worship to God. What do we need to do? Because if we don't understand individually, our worship to God, how can we come together as a body in worship? It's like a collective. It's like a lot of times we've seen, many of us have been to conferences, right? We're all on the same page. We come out there and we are on fire for God. But the problem is sometimes Monday morning comes around. What happens? You deflate. (laughs) Been there and done that. I'm not doing that again. I learned many years ago through I had to recharge myself. We have to recharge ourselves after Sundays. Being in the word, being in prayer. And if you need a recharge, if you need help, send a text to somebody. I need prayer. Do it. We got many people who love to pray for each other. Don't be afraid. Don't say, hey, I need help. It's okay. We're all in this together. We need the help. Let's pray. Father God, we do give you thanks and praise for today. And and Father, we thank you again that um, it's a great reminder that we have to give all to you. We have to sacrifice living of the world to be living and devoted to you, Father God. But help us, help all of us, that we do need that. And especially I do need that at times, Father God. So God, we thank you for this time. Uh, We thank you for the people here at this church. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.